Fuck me. I'd, I'd fuck me. I'd fuck you. No. You know what we're talking about? We're talking about 66.6 The Horror, the podcast where we address, set, obsess, digress, re redress. And it's funny, we're talking about Native Americans. Yeah. Because there's a lot of Native American references in The Shining. 66.6 The Horror. Welcome to the podcast where we dress in women's clothing, we obsess about women's clothing, and we digress wearing women's clothing. I'd fuck me. Yeah. And I'll flick my nipple ring, too. You know why. Well, I'll tell you why, because it's 66.6 The Horror. Welcome to the podcast, ladies and gentlemen, where we all sit in front of this fucking microphone and we stress, we obsess over everything there is horror. Today, I am so happy to be under the same roof as my co-host, partners in crime, evil fucking Eddie and hell's motherfucking Hooligan. What up, dude? Holy shit balls. Uh, what's up, Doc? Wow. It's been too long since we were all like in a room, fucking talking horror, like all of it. It's what, it's been two months? It's almost three Jeez. months, dude. Four months. Is it really? Dude, it was right before fucking uh, St. Patty's Day. <laughs> this is the first time we've ever done this, don't lie. We've this is our first episode. Yeah. No. No, no. No, we've always been here. <laughs> in a way, we have. We've always been trapped in this room in a vicious cycle. Dude, I told you we shouldn't take those shrooms. <laughs> <laughs> this episode is going to be real weird. It's going to get real weird up in here. No, you know what? You know what? We are here today with a little bit of fucking blind faith and coincidence and luck to bring you what I am super excited about. Probably going to be one of our best episodes yet to date. I think we're just going to fucking keep getting better and better with this shit because... As it is, we weren't even supposed to be talking about what we're talking about today. But as fate allowed it, Evil Eddie said, Hey, I'm going to watch this fucking movie. Then just like the corona, it spread over to fucking Hell's Hooligan and jumped over to me. And we said, we got to talk about this now or never. And I'm fucking thankful that we are because these movies rule, dude. So yesterday, as today we're filming this, yesterday was the 40th fucking anniversary of The Shining being released in theaters. Unbeknownst to any of it. We didn't even... see the 24th? Yeah, it was, oh, okay, yeah. so we're filming on the 24th. Uh, yeah. Yesterday, the 23rd, was the 40th anniversary. 40th anniversary, which, no, ironic. That was a complete coincidence. We yeah. didn't know that, which this makes it even cooler that we're doing this today. Yeah. And I, much like some things I'll talk about in the movie, there's these weird parallels that life presents Absolutely. to you sometimes. Uh, and anyway, so that's that. So speaking of current uh, news, what's, news, what's going on in the world of horror? Cue the music. Oh. 
<laughs> sounded just like it. <laughs> All right, so some news time. So I just heard from you guys that Scream 5's coming out. Early predictions on that. It's gonna suck ass, dude. Oh, man. No, I think it'll be good. Uh, I, I did see that, uh, who plays Dewey? Um, oh my gosh. David Arquette. Yeah. David Arquette yeah. is, is signed on uh, to come back okay. as, as Officer Doofy. Oh, Officer Doofus. And uh, that's all I know so far. Oh, okay, cool. Uh, did you guys like Scream 4? I loved uh, it. I didn't see it. Oh, okay. It's great. I, it? I, he hated it. I yeah, liked it. I, I really only liked the first Scream. I, I thought part two was good. I liked two. Three was a little far-fetched. I, I didn't like three. I, I, I haven't uh, seen it in a lot of these movies in a long time, only because, like, the first one was, like, it, it sort of was this little re, re renaissance of the slasher I movie, I think right? four was really creative, but, hey, that's for another episode. Yeah. Yeah. But, um... Early predictions on it? Uh, I'm gonna give I'll it a watch up. it. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'll give it a, a little looksy gander. Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna give it a thumbs up, because, you know... Things got potential? Of, four out of five ain't bad. Yeah, sure. I mean, like, yeah, it's, hey, it, it's, um, makes you feel old, right? Because I remember when the first Scream came out, um, here we are now, and, uh, it's the fifth installment, and, you know, I'm in my late 30s, so here we go, and I, that sure. first one came out when I was a teenager. 96, mm -hmm. so. Yeah, it was a, that was a great movie when it came out. Yeah, I loved it, and mm -hmm. I, you know, maybe I, maybe I do, like, I just haven't seen, but I haven't seen those movies in so long. Yeah. I, it's been so they long for me. I need to revisit them. But yeah, I'm, I so, like, I'm stoked about it. Yeah. I, I am excited. I didn't like the TV show. Uh, right. Oh, the TV I, I, show I not good. I didn't even know. Neither did he. Yeah. Um, the I dogs, honestly they didn't even know there was a TV dude. show. Was there a TV show? There no, was, was a TV show. show. Yeah, you can uh, watch it on Netflix. I'll be damned. Okay. But, uh, oh, okay. The ghost no, face is totally different. Yeah. It's not, it's not okay. great. Okay. Yeah. 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 Becky, have you guys heard of that? Not until you told me about mm -hmm. it, but it's the, the fact that it's Kevin James is Kevin the James killer. Kevin James is the killer. It's a home invasion movie. And it's got Joe McHale, Joel yeah. McHale, Joel yeah. and he, uh, there's apparently like a, like a torture scene where Kevin James tortures Joel McHale, so what? I'm like, it sounds intriguing, like, I can't imagine no. Kevin James being a bad is guy. Is this the first you've heard of it, this uh, is, This is news for me. I gotcha, so yeah, I, I talked to you about it briefly, did you watch the trailer at all? Uh, no, I just saw like thumbnails of it, and I saw like a, a super, uh, little, quick little snippet thing that like, was titled. Kevin James tortures Joel McHale. Okay, so gotcha. Like, okay, I know that's in there. I, I actually know. watched the trailer, and I gotta say, it kind of looks like, if you guys haven't seen Revenge, that's on Shut okay. um, Kind of a I spit on your grave, yeah, last house on the left. That's yeah. how I feel like it's gonna be. Okay. So I'm, uh, I'm a little underwhelmed by that, but when I saw yeah. the picture, I thought, oh, J Kevin James looks pretty terrifying. That's you know, feeling. it's interesting when you take someone out of their element and put them in a role like that. It either is genius and it works, or it's just like, they tried. Right. They just yeah. missed the mark, you know? Yeah. yeah. That's cool. But hey, I'm interested to see I'm it. I'm totally intrigued. But I'm going to give it an early thumbs down. I'm going to give it a thumbs down as well as a prediction. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to say I'm not going to watch it right off the bat. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You'll probably hear it Basically, from us. you know, fuck that movie. That's what I'm saying. No, yeah, I'll, yeah, exactly. I'll wait until one of you guys gets real excited about it, and then I'll watch it and be like, "What fucking took me so long?" Right. And I'll blame you for not yeah. watching it sooner. And then, yeah. then we'll be talking about it. We'll do an um, episode, episode two. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that would be perfect. Cool. So you're changing it to a thumbs up. <laughs> thumbs up. Okay. What's up? What else is going on in the news? Um, Halloween trailer is about to drop. Okay. So, yeah. I mean, you said something a second ago that's really interesting and. Uh, I very rarely have the willpower to be able to do this. Now I have, 
But you were saying what? Tell us, Hooligan, what you were planning on doing or not doing. I plan on not watching the trailer simply because right. I don't want any type of spoilers before I go now, see it. Now, did you do this with... Uh, Halloween 2018? Oh, fuck no. No, we watched, we watched the shit together. out together. Yeah, like, over and over again, and we were really excited about it, and, I mean, it's cool to watch trailers, but, like, like, like we just talked about Doctor Sleep. We watched the trailer for that, underwhelmed, ended up watching the movie way later, and the movie was amazing. Yeah. So, it's kind of, I don't know, trailers these days, I feel like they give way too much away. Way too yeah, much. Especially last year's 2018 trailer, which showed several fucking scenes that would have been great not, not to have seen. Absolutely. Seen. So, I'm going to try and avoid watching the trailer myself. I do know that David Gordon Green did an interview not too long ago, like maybe last week I saw an article on it, uh, that he said that one of the film, or the, one of the scenes he... He filmed was the most violent scenes he's ever filmed. Wow! And so it's, it's, it's going to be like disturbingly violent. More violent than all the real girls and George Washington. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> well, I, I don't know what you talking about. <laughs> Have you lost your fucking mind? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, right before we started recording, uh, Eddie snapped at me like a uh, angry parent in the shopping mall. <laughs> kids asking to get candy too often. <laughs> I've never seen that He's, side of him. He fucking scolded you, dude. He sure as hell did. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I, don't, I don't show that side much. Yeah. <laughs> I'm actually kind of scared of you now, dude. <laughs> All right, so no one's watching the trailer. I, I'm gonna. Yeah. I mean, look if. If you guys aren't, then I'm not. Cause I mean, okay, cool. we'll just we'll just all. I think that'll be a nice little thing we can all do together. We, yeah, we can right? we we'll can be, go we, we can all go not, in, go in, we can all do anything else. Go and bareback. <laughs> go and bareback. Yeah. See, we'll walk in together, you know, peen in hand, <laughs> and just skip to my loo, my darling. Yeah, you know? exactly. I can do it. And that's really the best way to. To keep your social distance is with yeah. peen in hand, because with that sucker out, you know you're gonna. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, hey, COVID doesn't exist in peens. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. a peen. That's peen or COVID-free peen. Right there, dude. <laughs> oh, yeah. Peen nineteen. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think it'll be great. I think it'll be, we'll challenge our, ourselves to like not not spoil and just go in there completely blind. That'll be good. Yeah. Yeah. I, I gave Halloween 2018 a thumbs down on our podcast, but I feel yeah. like this one's going to be a thumbs up, so... I do, too. I don't know why. I just have a really good feeling about it. I think that yeah. they probably understand what mistakes they may have made, you know, because you don't know until that it really is a wide release and you get those reactions. And, and, you know, maybe they don't give a fuck about what that what happened. They, they made the movie they wanted to make. But yeah. I have a feeling this one, they're going to take it up a notch and it's just going to be balls to the motherfucking wall, dude. You know, it's... it's... It's gotta be. It's gotta be kind of tough. I mean, there's obviously pressure on to to deliver a film that uh, can cater, can bring a new audience into Halloween, but also appease the fans. And you know, so I mean, that's, uh, you know, sometimes maybe you get inside your own heads and they play it too safe, right? Um, yeah. You know, they they weren't quite haven't really come to their own yet within the frame. So yeah, I think it's got tons of potential. So I think I think we're gonna really grow from what they've did in the past. So I think it's gonna be. Really cool. Gotcha. Thumbs up all around, huh? Mm-hmm. All right, the sit down. It's, it's the stand. Oh, the stand. Yeah. Um, <laughs> thoughts? Uh, <laughs> that was really awkward. That was really, sorry. Yeah, that was really awkward. Uh, well, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> you um, lost your fucking mind? <laughs> <laughs> um, you guys have ruined my life. <laughs> I mean, sure. I mean, it seems uh, like look, everything we fucking talked about is just another reboot or uh, remake. So yeah. just throw another one in there. Throw another one in oh, there. That's, this, this that is, is true. Stephen King, The Stand. Um, 
I think it's cool that Alexander Skarsgård will be playing Randall Flagg. Uh, I like him a lot as an actor. I think he, yeah, I don't know. So I'm excited yeah, about it. Sure. Everything I've read about it is that it's actually going to be very scary. So, yeah. and, and man, after doing more research, and we're gonna we're gonna talk about this briefly later, but doing more research on Stephen King because we're covering The Shining mm -hmm. and Doctor Sleep. Peen. Stephen Peen. Oh, God, I love that Peen dude. The Peen scene is just good, good if you know what I mean. And um, but Stephen King, man. I am so intrigued to find out more about his novels and read more. And mm. oh man, there's just so much. So the stand, I'm actually really stoked about watching the series. I think it's gonna be pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah, and it's like, I don't knock anything that's re. But hell, if it's good, then keep remaking the same shit over and over huh. again. I mean, who am I to say? But it, you know, it, it, it is it is one of those kind of things. It's like when you look up, you don't even realize like. Shit, I mean, Scream, Halloween, Stan, it's all shit we've seen before. But if it's worth it, then, you know, another, another fucking uh, Friday the 13th on, on Steelbook. Okay, great. I mean, if it's worth my time, then fantastic. But it's, I, yeah. I you do, you do, you do hope for something original every once and in a not, while. And not to change gears too much, but would, I think we already talked about this before, but wouldn't you guys agree that the most original new slasher type horror movie is Terrifier? That's the first, that's the one that really comes to mind when I think of a newer, original horror movie. The build-up, or the format is not original, but it's a new character. New face. It's a new, it's a new Freddy Jason, um, now. Yeah. Aunt. Yeah, I, I think, I, I think you, think you definitely onto something. There's a new face. The new face. To, uh, a killer. Okay, yeah. and yeah. maybe this is a whole episode. Like, For sure it is. Of, and, you know, I mean, uh, it's itself, but, okay, what would you guys want to see? Like something original. What? What is it? What is it? Uh, I don't I was, know. I want to see Captain Kirk on a killing spree. Yeah, you know what? I'm kind of with you, but like maybe not as tan and as dapper as maybe a pan. Maybe, and, a and like, pan. maybe like if you like shave those side sideburns off yeah. and like yeah. take his eyebrows off. I don't know. No, keep like the those. eyebrows on, but like I think maybe even have the actor put in some shoulder pads, look more menacing. Yeah. Kind of always look like he's surprised that he's actually killing people. Yeah. Basically, if you could do something to like. I, yeah, have, I just feel like I, I know what you're saying, but like I feel like if you were to do that, like it wouldn't be okay. I wouldn't get that feel and vibe like a first or second time. <laughs> maybe like like a like maybe a third, maybe even a fourth, fourth time. Probably yeah. the fourth time around is when they really get I, that thing down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, and it's it, like the third time. It's just like, yeah, what the fuck are you even going with this? Yeah, it, it has nothing to do with yeah, Captain Kirk's Kirk. not even here. Yeah. Get him out of there. We'll come back. Yeah, because yeah. we're onto something. Yeah. I don't know, man. I, I, you know what? It's uh, I, I rack my brain of that sometimes. Like, you know, original stuff. I mean, I do think that. Uh, oh, what's his oh, name? Uh, what's his name? Keenan uh, Peel. Keenan Peel. Oh, Keenan Peel. Keenan Peel. Uh, yeah. Talking about like us and get out. And I mean, I, those, those, there's some originals for sure, man. Things I, going on there. Some original sort of concepts and themes. But then, do again. You're, you are. You do kind of feel like. Yeah, I, I, I've, I've seen that movie in, in a way, but. I mean, I don't know. You know, the the window, though small, to create something new, it is there. It's just, I mean, I, I don't know what it is. I don't I'm know what it is either. I am very excited about Jordan Peele's involvement in the new Candyman movie. I think it's going to be mm -hmm. really cool. Oh, yeah. I hope it's cool. I love Candyman. And yeah. we're going to cover Candyman soon in a Clive Barker episode. Yeah. Yes. Spoiler alert. Yeah. I'm excited about that. That's going to be super yeah. cool. Yeah, right. so, uh, you know what? I, I didn't, it's been so long since I've seen the original stand that I'm not um, 100% sure how to compare it so mm -hmm. i'm excited about it yeah so i'm not gonna watch course. the original stand until after the new one's released so you're gonna watch the new one and then go back and watch yeah, yeah. yeah. i think that's a great idea like that. Yeah. Like that. 
That way I'm nothing embarrassed. How long it? was the original stand? Do you remember? Was it like oh, a God. mini series or was it like a two parter? I don't remember. Oh no, I think it was like maybe three or four parts. Yeah. Thumbs up, thumbs down on the stand? I'm gonna give it a thumbs up. I'm gonna prediction wise, thumbs up. Thumbs up on the stand? Yeah, me too. Thumb, so. Thumbs up. Why not? Cool. Why not? Well, well, hey, we, uh, I know we've talked a lot about you know just some regurgitations and nothing original is coming out. But hey, I'm gonna change it up a bit. I'm gonna throw a, I'm gonna throw a fastball at you. Hellraiser TV series. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> wow, I'm, I'm fucking shocked. <laughs> and, and here we are again. I mean, I, if it's if you make it good and it's the same thing you've done before, it's bringing back old characters. Like I'm cool with it. Yeah. Like, like we, I think we said this during Halloween, right? Maybe because we just love this, the franchise so much, but. You get excited, any new Halloween's good Halloween, even if it's not good Halloween. Yeah. It's new Halloween, right? Yeah. And you get excited, there's something to talk about, uh, and then you reserve judgment to when you see it, and you're like, yeah, well, they should have never fucking made this, you know? Uh-huh. So, I get, yeah, it might be cool. Uh, I wish that they would reboot it as a movie. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that there's a lot of really cool things that they could do with it now because, I mean, Hellraiser looked great for when it came out, but, I mean, there's so much more technology the, they could use and make yeah. it just fucked up. I mean, Hellraiser's scary, dude. The, Hellraiser. the, 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 the S&M uh, theme that's going on in that, that alone is just is, is creepy. Well, and it's, uh, what what I've always thought was so creepy about Hellraiser is that it's all self-inflicted, right? You're choosing that path. Like, Pinhead didn't come after you unless you've opened Pandora's box, in a sense. Mm-hmm. So, like, it's it's really your own demise. And the, the temptation is, and that, to go down that path is so great that uh, it could be anyone. That gets caught up in that, but yeah, the, the practical effects and the, the, the effects that in those movies are just phenomenal. Yeah, they really are. For, I mean, for the time and even now, I mean, I went back and watched all three of those just recently. Other, there's more than three, but the first three, in my opinion, are the really the only the ones. really good ones. Yeah, uh, I just I would be so fucking disappointed if they were to do a reboot movie and not use Douglas Bradley. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I mean, he, he is. I mean, he's he's pinhead. I mean, he's. It's the essence of it, but I don't know. We're, we're, that's a whole other, yeah. whole other discussion. But I'm excited about it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like I said, TV seems to be the way that people are going these days. They see that it's. Um, I don't know. I mean, if you think about like a, a, a big TV series that you guys have got into, that's you know, uh, if you guys watch Game of Thrones or Breaking Bad, <laughs> yeah, these, watch these big. Of those. So it's like, you know, how do you make? How do you condense that into two hours? Right? I think some of these stories have to be fleshed out. Does Hellraiser have to be fleshed out into a 10-part, hour-long you know, hour long each episodes? I don't know. Well, I will say this. Hellraiser is supposed to be on HBO, I believe. I think it's the HBO Plus. That the new HBO thing. Max. Max. Yeah, so yeah. if it's on there, I imagine it's going to be kick-ass. So yeah. if it's a 10-part series, fuck yeah, dude. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm for it. As long as it looks cinematic. Mm-hmm. That's all I ask for mm-hmm. is that it, it be essentially a movie that's 10 hours long. Yeah, I mean, and I think that, like I kind of was saying earlier, I think that those those lines are definitely blurred these days. Like, yeah. you have a harder time telling apart, because you, I know exactly what you're talking about. Like, it, it just, you know, it used to be, like, TV shows look like TV shows. You know? Right. You could, no matter how you, you know, and it's the cameras they use, or the technique, whatever it is, but it looked like, looked like fucking it was just, TV just shows. The budget probably wasn't the Budget, there. Yeah. yeah. So, well, cool. That's, uh, that's the news, yeah? Yeah. Thumbs up or thumbs down on that right quick? I'll give a, Thumbs up? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, early, early. I mean, if I if I give a thumbs up, thumbs up based on what I want, I guess it's always going to be thumbs up, right? Because I want it to be good. Right. But I'm hoping it's it, good. It's hoping to be good, so it's hard. But realistically. To, realistically, yeah. I mean, up? realistically. Uh, I mean, how many how many Hellraiser movies did they make? 
There's mean, like seven. Right? And only three of those to me are worth a damn. So it's like track record ain't great. Yeah, there's a lot you of them. You know what I mean? I think, yeah. I think there's all like 10 or 11. Yeah. yeah there's a lot. So. Mm. Yeah. I'm going to give it a thumbs down. I think that Hellraiser 1 was amazing. The other two were fun. And then after that, it was just trash. Yeah, that's so, a really good way to put it. Hellraiser I, I, was I think they, the other they two were just, a lot of fun. They could have never made another sequel, and that would Absolutely. still hell yeah. as an amazing one. Yeah, so that's a really, yeah. The other two are, are fun, but yeah. Cool, let's uh, get out of here, and let's go to the main event. Ladies and gentlemen, introducing your hosts for 66.6 The Horror. to break out of our own quarantine to talk about a movie that really has a lot to do with isolation. So in a way, it kind of, whether it's isolated in your own head, whether it's isolated in a fucking hotel that absorbs your energy in an evil, corrupt way, however you want to break it down, I think it's fitting that we talk about a movie that has to do so much with isolation. Absolutely. And ever since this fucking quarantine has been, uh, thing has been happening, we've been hanging out at this hotel. You yeah. Know, this is a really nice hotel. We're it at the is. Overlook Hotel here in uh, snowy gorgeous. Colorado. Gorgeous. It's gorgeous. It, I yeah. love the carpet here, dude. It's that hex, hexagonal sort of pattern. That it's very shaggy. Very shaggy. Very shaggy, yeah. And it's uh, um, there's a lot of bright red walls. You know, in certain certain parts of the hotel, but I like it. I feel cozy here, man. I don't know. We're the only ones here, other than it a couple of the cozy. staff members. And, and if you're gonna and if you're gonna lock yourself down in quarantine, what better place to do it? Yeah, but hey, you know, guys, I've kind of been bored. Would you guys maybe want to watch a movie? We should. Now, I will say that uh, we'd have to sort of go find maybe the, the gift shop or someplace, maybe the front desk, maybe go dig around and see if there's someone that could help us out with that. Did you get did uh, Eddie? Did you see the gift shop? Do you know where it's at? Down in the lobby area? The yeah, layout of this hotel is confusing the, to me. I feel like I turn I, I a corner know. and I'm somewhere completely new that I've never seen before. Yeah, it, it, it's a room with the window. That one window? That one window. That window that's like, like really right in the middle of the. Shouldn't be there? Yeah, like right in the middle of this hotel. There's I don't room. understand how there's a window there. It, it seems, seems like impossible. an impossible. Yeah. I, I mean. Anyways, well, hey, you know what? Let's go down there. Let's see if we can find one of the staff members, see if they might be able to help us uh, find a video that yeah. we, can, we can watch up in our room. I'm, I'm uh, down for it. We've got so, plenty of time. Anyways, let's go down there. Let's check it out. Okay. We're in the gift shop now. And that, they need to put some WD-40 on that door. They really do. I don't understand. No, but actually, I think that may be our job is... is is you know being that we're staying here during off season hours, you're probably responsible for doing that kind of shit. Probably. Well, I, I just got here. I, I don't know. You guys no. talked about. Anyways, well, God, I wish we could find somebody in here, but oh, oh, uh, Lloyd, is that wait? That guy was come from? not there a second ago. I mean, literally, he just appeared. Yeah, dude, that's oh. Lloyd, the bartender. How, how do we know his name? He told me. Uh, well, sometimes you just want to go where you know everybody's name. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. Cheers to that. Yeah. Yeah, dude, let's go talk to Lloyd and see what's up, right? You guys cool with that? 
I'd love to yeah. see what Lloyd has to say. I've been dying to talk to this guy. Dying, huh? <laughs> Good evening, gentlemen. Oh, uh, hello, Lloyd, is it? From what I understand? Yes, it is Lloyd. Lloyd, what a good man. Were you the bartender? I do many tasks around the Overlook Hotel. How is the stay treating you so far? Um, so far so That's nice. Okay. What can I do for you? Well, I tell you, uh, we're we, bored. Yeah, we were We were just talking about that we were a little, getting a little bored, so we thought we would sort of occupy our time by you know, checking out a film if you have something. You know, you'd recommend something we could watch. Yeah. Um, a little bit on the bright side. Yeah, we're nothing too, nothing too dark. Absolutely. I might recommend something to you that you may have never seen. Mm. I'm intrigued. Mm. Okay. okay. Uh, and just to let you all know that your credit is good here. Your uh, money is worthless to me. Lloyd, good man. Always been a good man. Absolutely. Courtesy of the house. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. May I recommend the 19... 19- so do you bill it to us? Do you... Would you please not interrupt me? I'm going to get bogged down by details here. Yeah. I, I'm just When I'm speaking, I'd, I'd prefer that I just... I'm just wondering how we're supposed you're still, to be... You're still it talking. too good to be true. You're talking over me again, and it's, it's, pissing, it's pissing Lloyd off. Lloyd. Okay, go ahead. Okay. Okay. If I may. Shoot. Lloyd's talking now. Let him talk. Go on. He's talking now. Okay. I'm trying to listen to what he's having to say. Yeah, Lloyd's too. getting upset. Okay. Oh, okay. Go on. <clears throat> May I recommend the 1980 film by Stanley Kubrick entitled The Shining, based on the Stephen King novel? Of the same name? Yes. Oh, okay. That is absolutely Any true. Any relation to Kubrick? Um, I, I'm not sure. Is that the guy that made that cube with a bunch of colors that you try to solve, the Rubik's Cube, Rick? Do you want... Maybe. I, oh. I, I don't... Okay. God, do you... Do you does that sound like a movie that you might want to watch? Fuck. I mean, I mean we said we wanted something that was, you know, light and yeah. shining. Kind of yeah. like it's bright and shiny. And I, I'd say so. Sure. Helsugan, what do you think? Dude, I don't give a fuck, man. As long as we can take those shrooms again, I'm cool. <laughs> You're just obsessed with these mushrooms. But yes, that carpet's going to look really cool here in a minute. Yeah. Cool, dude. Whatever. Fuck it, right? Yeah, fuck it. Cool. Um... Okay, well, if you would like to rent the movie, that is fine. Take it back to your room. Just make sure you bring it back rewound. God damn it. Again, do, you, do you happen to know someone named Martha? God, God damn it. Does Martha's word just travel throughout the whole goddamn know. country? Martha is my ex-wife. Oh, that explains a lot. She's a great woman. Yeah. Yeah. Makes hell the tortilla soup. Yep. Yeah, she does, doesn't she? Oh, God. She was great. She was great. Anyways, um, <laughs> how am I supposed to rewind a laser disc, though? Well, uh, that's for you to figure out. <laughs> and, um, I told you that it's on the house, so okay, you know it's free, so maybe not bitch about it. <laughs> yes, sir. Okay, uh, just bring it back and and t- let me. You know, when you bring it back, let me know what you think. Lloyd Lloyd wants to know. We'll now, do. Great. Now you three get the fuck out of my gift shop and <laughs> and watch the video, huh? Uh, but I. I, I oh, can we read the back of the box before we? That's fine. You can do yeah, whatever you want. Just to make sure. Just to make sure. Well, can you tell that that one there, the third one there in the back, that's staring at the wall to maybe <laughs> lay off the shrooms? <laughs> that's uh, that's uh, hooligan, and I, I think his life is just one big constant trip. 
Right. Um, I, may I suggest that he not watch the shrooms while watching this movie? It may induce fear. Or it, it may it may enlighten to some uh, other things that are going on. Right. Go ahead and get the fuck out of my shop. <laughs> but, uh, hey, we're going to read the back of the box before but we Let us do this yeah, and then that's, we'll let you get back to that's just great. standing. Because we'll, we'll that's decide. all you were doing. We'll, we'll, that's great. We'll all collectively decide if we want to watch this Right, film. right. See I'm going to go back to my bar and I'm going to serve my friend Jack. Okay, cool. Oh, okay, well have fun with that. Right and if Absolutely. we decide not to take this movie, we'll... We'll do a few favor and not let you know. Okay. All right. We'll see you. We'll see you later when you finish the film. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. So we should see what this movie has to offer. Yeah. Oh, yes. Tell us. Think of the greatest terror imaginable. A monstrous alien? A lethal epidemic? Or, as in this harrowing masterpiece from director Stanley Kubrick, is it fear of murder by someone who should love and protect you, a member of your own family? From a script he co-adapted from the Stephen King novel, Kubrick melds vivid performances, menacing settings, dreamlike tracking shots, and shock after shock into a milestone of the macabre. In a signature role, Jack Nicholson, who plays Jack Torrance, who's come to the elegant, isolated Overlook Hotel as an off-season caretaker with his wife and son. Torrance has never been there before. Or has he? The answer lies in a ghostly time warp of madness and murder. Damn. Right. Um, would you mind rereading that with a little bit more excitement? Oh, I sure can. <laughs> Think of the greatest terror imaginable. <laughs> that was a. That was actually a joke, Eddie. Um, Lloyd is not. Not. Uh, Lloyd, would you mind, like, leaving us the fuck alone <laughs> yeah. for a little bit? We'll bring you back to precious <laughs> fucking movie. Yeah. Uh, guys, can I ask, why does Lloyd keep referring to himself in third person? Lloyd likes to do that. Yeah. Lloyd feels like that's the best way he can connect with, yeah. uh, with He's people. He's kind of third dimension, too. Damn, I thought I was just tripping, but, you know, that's... I'm glad... Oh, no, you were. Oh, no, you were. You were. And, he, and he noticed. Yeah. Did you see those, like, fucking plants come to life? <laughs> did you see that too? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, only you did. Hey man, like, can we please just go back to the room and watch whatever the fuck you guys rented? Like, I don't even remember what he talked about, dude. Like, can we just go watch it? You didn't hear him talk about the whole back of the box just then? No, man, I was actually just counting, like, the number of holes, it, like, in the wall, man. <laughs> well, cool. Yeah. Well, um, what do, you, what do you guys say? Thumbs up, thumbs down on this one. We, we uh, gotta head back to our room, two two thirty seven. I man. just read the back of the box, you know. Yeah, I'm, like I'm not leaving until we know for sure that we're giving this a thumbs up or thumbs down, and majority rules. Well, I I say thumbs up for me. Yeah. All right, fuck it, Th thumbs up here, man. Let's yeah, go. me too. Okay, so it's uh, unanimous. Let's uh, take this. Thanks, Lloyd. We're out of here. We appreciate you, Lloyd. You're welcome, gentlemen. Again, get the fuck out of my gift shop. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll see you next time. Okay. Yeah. Alrighty. We'll see you in another three hours after this one's done. <laughs> <laughs> you had to pick the longest fucking movie. Well, it, and it is long. It is it's a long It's about one. two and a half hours. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's a long one. Right. Yeah. I, but, it, you know, it doesn't feel long. No, man, it's, it's, it's not boring. I don't think it's ever boring. I used to think it was long, but a really good sleeping movie. You know, I mean, ironically, that the next film was, had to do with sleep. Doctor Sleep. Strange. But uh, I, I used to actually call it a very good sleep movie. Sleeper, sleeper movie. 
I mean, and I, I honestly think when this movie first came out, I think a lot of people did kind of sleep on it. I know the reviews were mixed. I mean, the novel, Stephen King's novel, uh, I've even heard in some interviews some people say that they were anticipating this movie. They knew it was a Stephen King novel. They were really excited about it, so they reread the novel, and they were expecting it to be just like the novel. But as they come to find out very, probably early on in the movie, even the main character's name changed. Yeah. So it's, yes, it takes the novel, The Shining, as inspiration, but it is a total screen adaptation from Kubrick into a, a whole new telling of the story. Which I think is great, to be yes. honest. I mean, it's cool to have different versions of things. If you're if you're a reader, if you enjoy reading, mm-hmm. you know, get the novel and, and have that version of it. Have the movie. There is a mini series that they did. I've never seen it, but I've it's heard it was good. Based on the novel. Yeah, it's more it, it, more it's, based around the novel. Yeah, it, yeah, it, it stays pretty true to the to the book. Um, well, and that was what ninety seven. So yeah, good. and I saw that, but I, I didn't. I guess it was a little too young to understand sure. the greatness of it. I, I'd love to rewatch it, but I don't know how to watch it. I don't, I don't know, know either. either. I mean, I'm sure there's a way you could find it somewhere. It's archived somewhere. Or... On eBay, it's like fucking $80 to get this fucking thing. Oh, is it really? Yeah. No shit. Yeah. I just assume, that, and it's nowhere to stream or anything like that. Like, sometimes YouTube will, like, weird, weird shit, you can, no. they'll have it on there. Okay. Yeah, there's mm-hmm. clips, but there's not the whole Interesting, film. yeah. It's the last time I saw it when I was a kid, and um, I watched it, you know, even because I... You know, my family, we watched a lot of horror movies together, it seemed like. And The Shining was one I watched when I was pretty young and definitely stuck with me. So naturally, you wanted to see this take on it. And in 97, I mean, I was... So you're 14. By then, you know, I, I was, you know, definitely sort of formed my own opinion. But nothing about the TV version really stood out to me. I always preferred the film. Mm-hmm. And well, I've never read the book. Well, so. I think that beyond it not being a super... Um, like true to the novel, Jack Nicholson's performance is fucking amazing in it. I mean, the and the I don't know, just everything about the movie is really well done. It's a beautifully shot movie. The cinematography was great. Incredible. You know, give a shout out to uh, John Alcott, uh, who is no longer with us, but the cinematography was awesome on that one. Uh, the music was in, insanely good. I mean, it's, did it, Alcott who, work on two thousand one? Uh, he did, yeah. He did the cinematography on uh, Space Odyssey. He did Clockwork Orange, um, Shining, and then he did one other Kubrick film. Uh, Barry Lyndon, Doctor Strangelove. I, I don't remember to be honest with ah, you, but gotcha. but he did a lot of good work. And like I was saying, the composer was was fantastic on this. Again, no longer oh, with yeah. us, but Christoph. He just recently passed away. He just like passed away in March, I believe. Ah. But he did like the the score for The Exorcist and some other really he, great uh, movies. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I mean, oh God, where do you even begin to start this movie? Because it's it really is the total package, just in my opinion. I mean, beautifully shot, beautifully just fucking cast, wonderfully acted. The score fits the movie. The poster is great. It's just it's you know to me it's like you have your your heavy hitters, right? You have your Halloweens, you have your Friday Thirteens. You know, you, this sort of Hall of Fame of horror. But I do think that you take a small percentage of even those really good, well-known movies, and you take a thin layer off the top of that, and you have the upper echelon crust of, like, fucking brilliant films. And I think this is one of them. And I think it goes across the board, even if you're talking about... Because, yes, it's a horror film, but not really in the traditional sense. And I want to say that reading some things, a lot of people were a bit turned off because they were expecting... 
a horror film. That's what it was being marketed as, but they didn't get... And you're talking about 1980 at this point, so there's a lot that had already been out, and they didn't get your normal run-of-the-mill horror movie experiment. Well, like it's experience. more of a psychological horror Absolutely. movie. Absolutely. Which is not how the novel is. The, the novel's more on the supernatural side. Mm-hmm. This is this one goes with Jack, which his name is John in the novel. Mm-hmm. Uh, it goes with Jack kind of descending into madness, like it's all within his mind. But in the novel, John is more influenced uh, to, to become... A madman right. because of the supernatural factors that are within the Overlook Hotel. Yeah. So you know it doesn't explain it, and and of course we're gonna maybe rent another movie here in a little bit with Lloyd, and uh, and hopefully it might be another one that's along the lines of mm. The Shining. I mm. don't know. We'll see. And um, that crazy. might crazy, crazy, crazy Patrick Dempsey. <laughs> and and, um, <laughs> and I like that. And we might. Um, you know, it might give a little more insight uh, as to what actually was going on in The Shining. But, uh, you know, let's just give a little shout-out to my boy Jack Nicholson, dude. One of the best fucking actors of all time, and his performance in this movie is, like, is so fucking good, dude. You know, like, some would say the singular, I've heard it said many times, the singular best performance in a horror film. I mean, if you if you break it down it's hard to argue that really it's a dimensional yeah. character that you see a, you see a true arc and, and you start to realize that um, you I mean you really get a sense that something is going on with this guy because starts off you know beginning of the film fairly normal family man and as you peel the layers of the onion off a bit you realize there's a lot more there to this guy and there's a lot more about you know a film exists from you know point A to point C right and that's the only window that we see into these people's lives. And for a movie to sort of have an effect on an audience where you start to think about what exists outside of this window of what you're watching, that's when you know it's really effective. And I think Jack Nicholson's portrayal of Jack Torrance uh, is really good in that sense. And I do think that uh, if you read interviews with Shelley Duvall, Jack Nicholson, they will say that of any work that they've done, prior or after that this was some of the hardest that they were pushed because Kubrick operated in that way it was he did take after take after take and he really pushed his actors to the absolute limit um and so I mean it's been very well documented that this was one of the hardest roles that Jack Nicholson undertake and and I can definitely see why I can totally see it man just like just the fucking facial expressions that he portrays when he goes from like that kind of like laughing, silly madman to the mm-hmm. fucking rage, like, gonna kill you. It's yeah. just like, whoa, dude, like, the, 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 yeah. the mindset, like, as an actor, you know, I've never acted before, but to think, to put yourself in that, in that role, sure. and to be able to turn it on, man, mm-hmm. like, that's just, he's a, a super talented dude. I love Jack Nicholson. I mean, you know, he's, a lot of the movies that he's been in are some of my favorites. Batman, 89, when yeah, he was Joker, I mean, mm-hmm. you, you can't, He's the best Joker, in my opinion. I think Though so I thought Heath Ledger yeah, did an amazing job. Joaquin Phoenix. Joaquin did a great job. Yeah. It's, it's Jack Nicholson for I mean, me. I Maybe it's a nostalgia factor, but... No, I, I, I've had I, that I conversation think... a lot of times before, but I'm in the same boat. No, yeah, yeah, 100% agree, regardless yeah. of... And it's all preference, but no, you're absolutely and, right. And, and I think, for me, for the longest time, uh, Jack Torrance, Jack Nicholson was the scariest thing about this in my early years when I watched it he was the scariest thing about this movie but um, my mind has since changed and I think that upon viewing this movie multiple times um, I've come to figure it out that for me there's just there's 
so much going on in this film. Uh, much like any any medium of art that I really, really enjoy, um, it's to be dissected and, you know, the more you watch it, the more you discover and it really keeps you thinking. And I, I never thought that this movie was scary out for, like, the way that s- certain horror films are scary. Like, it doesn't, like, make me feel... It, it leaves me with a very weird feeling. When I finish watching this movie, I feel really ear I feel just strange it leaves you with a very eerie feeling it's hard hard to explain uh exactly but I just I just think because there's subliminally subliminally so much going on in this film and I think it takes multiple views to see where it's like initially when you see it Jack Torrance is fucking scary axe murder murder you know going crazy and there's a lot of underlying themes but the more you watch it He's kind of like second fiddle to the sort of unsettling theme that this movie yeah. sort of portrays. Yeah, and the feeling it, it exudes. Eddie, do you do you think that the the music gives you the unfe- un- unsettling feeling? Is that a part of it? Absolutely. Yeah, I think the music is incredibly unsettling. Just and it's funny because I've watched this movie multiple times, and the first time I watched this movie. I watched it kind of straightforward. I, I don't think I've ever watched this movie, especially after the movie that we're going to talk about, you know, later on. I don't think I've watched it the same every time I've viewed it. Mm. And this most recent one has actually been the most interesting time I've watched it, which is why I'm glad that we're talking about this, is because this, you know, I think I, I, we've talked about it, 237, Room 237, the movie, documentary, Mm -hmm. is really fucking interesting. Yeah. And I agree with a lot of things that are said in it. However, going back and watching it after that didn't really change my mind. Mm -hmm. But watching it after this new sequel really kind of made me very, very, very curious about watching the movie again. It's almost like I watched it as a whole new film. Yeah. Yeah. It's quite impressive that a a sequel that... Came out and damn near forty years later can can have that as sort of impact and yeah. that just is a testament to uh, what they've done with Doctor Sleep, which I know we'll, we'll get into. Mm-hmm. Um, and as the music goes, the music I never really thought about until after watching actually Room Two Thirty Seven, and then watching it again freshly. You know, it's like the music is absolutely. I, I, I mean, I guess... Part of the, the eeriness to it. It is, but it, it, in a weird way, because it's kind of like, it's not like Halloween, or, um... You know, it doesn't hit you the way Halloween, like, yeah, hits you. Like it's any John Copper film where you can actually, like, listen to the music and just... It's kind of like, I guess, uh, Friday the 13th, where, you know, you wouldn't sit there and listen to that soundtrack. Yeah. I mean, the <laughs> opening score is great, but... Only for a listen, yeah. not not for a continuous. I listen. have those sound like I've got three or four three's, of those. Three's so good. Though. Well, it's just the intro boogie. song. Yeah. But like other than that, it's like I, I have those on vinyl, and I've listened to them, and it's like, <laughs> man, dude, I swear, I'm like, this is the most boring shit that ever. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. it's yeah. a lot of just like cues, yes. like and stuff like that. And right. oh man, it's like I, I'm going, man, I bought these because the artwork is killer on them, but man, I don't want to listen to them. You're right. <laughs> I like right. watching listening to the boogie theme and and uh, part three, but that's about it. Yeah, it doesn't stand on its own. The music right. does not stand on its own, and yeah. I, I, I'm gonna make that argument for this one that the music is has to coincide with the film so you know let's let's get into a couple of things about this movie uh you know kind of the novel versus the movie things like that stephen king has stated 
that he really did not like this movie mm-hmm. uh, when it was made. However, uh, and you know, spoiler alert: we are going to talk about Doctor Sleep here in a second. Uh, but after he saw Doctor Sleep, the movie, it, it kind of became uh, a little more into uh, The Shining. He was like, you know what? I actually kind of like The Shining. After I saw Doctor Sleep, it kind of makes a little more sense to me. Uh, so that's kind of cool. But the novel is different from the movie. Uh, we've already said that uh, Jack's name in the novel is John, uh, that the hotel has more supernatural factors to it uh, that, that influenced John to become crazy. And in this one, you think it's just really that he's just going mad, and then it really explains it. Um, also in the novel, there is no maze like there is in the, in the mm-hmm. movie. So, in, you know, you see at the, at the end of the movie where Jack freezes because he can't get to Danny, can't kill Danny and Wendy. They get away and he freezes because it's cold outside in the maze. Um, So that's the the difference. In the movie, one of the the main things that John was supposed to be taking care of was the boiler room. And uh, he basically... He was supposed to be making sure that nothing, I guess, boils over. You know, Mm -hmm. it doesn't get... The the temperature doesn't get too much in there and uh, it can blow up. He actually gets lured into the boiler room by some kind of supernatural power, whatever ghost is in the, you know, luring him, him in, and he gets blown up. So the Overlook Hotel actually blows up in The Shining. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was different from the movie. So when you watch, when we'll talk about this again, when you watch Doctor Sleep, um, in the very end, Danny goes, or Dan is his name in the movie, he goes to the boiler room and intentionally blows up the Overlook. So what that was was the director kind of giving a nod to the original original novel novel, and going back and saying, well, we'll blow it up like they did in The Shining. So that's kind of cool. So it it does end differently. Um, We just talked about, what is it, a a mallet instead of an axe Mm -hmm. that John uses. Yeah. So there's there's differences. A croquet mallet to be be precise. Yeah, so, I I mean, yeah, it is a little bit different. So I think Stephen King was a little pissed off that that Stanley Kubrick decided to... Deviated so much. Right. But, again, to have different versions is really, really cool. The movie is fucking amazing. And you wish that Stephen King would have kind of just looked at it for what it was. Actually, I just saw an interview with Stephen King, and, and it might have been recent, or... You know, somewhere in recent history, and he was explaining what his qualms were with the movie, but he didn't sound like he hated it. So maybe that was—I don't know if it was posted that he hated the movie, or or like pressed like they hated the movie, or if it was like an actual video interview. I, but this I was think that, recent. Yeah, I think it's—it's it's really um, it was just a matter of. I mean, look, create universes and worlds like Stephen King does. And you have all this in your head, and you put it to pen to paper. Um, you're emotionally invested in that, and I and I know that there's some themes that he was dealing with when writing. Uh, I don't know, was it this was a doctor? Was a doctor sleep? You know, uh, battling with alcoholism. It was and, doctor sleep. It was kind of a reflection of his own life. Yeah. There's a lot of personal feelings and something like that. So it's like you you got to think like you guys are musicians. It's like. So you, you put your heart and soul into a song, right? And then another artist is like, man, I want to take this song and I want to, I would love to record it. And then they do it and they basically change a bunch of parts about that song and leave just a little fragment. You're going to feel a certain way about it, right? You're going to feel your baby. Yeah, you're going to feel like, what, was it not good enough for like you, Mr. Kubrick, Mr. Big Time, you know? So, I mean, I, I, I can sort of see where he's coming from. And I, and I think that, look, I have not... Read the book. Yeah. I, I saw the mini, the TV series. You, it's been years. I love The Shining. I mean, I easily say it's probably one of my favorite movies, if not my favorite movie of all time. So, um, 
my my heart lies with the Kubrick version. That, that's just yeah, where I go. But I'm sure there are plenty of people that were like, no, I, I you know, so it's it's taster's choice. But we were lucky enough to have, like you said, Kubrick's vision and whether he was using and there's all sorts of theories. He was using The Shining to tell a story of either Native American genocide or Holocaust, and he just used the story of The Shining as a shell because he could, you know, there's a lot of parallels in this movie, whether it be a parallel universe, um, whether it be that the fucking movie has been, you know, they say this in Room 237, and literally people took the movie at some film house somewhere in San Francisco, and they played it backwards and forwards at the same time, overlaid over one another, right? And there's parallels within the movie, and did Kubrick do that intentionally, or was it was it art just sort of like falling into place and all this sort of happened? I don't know, but um, yeah, it's cool know. to think about. So yeah, like think about all those like things. that. There's all these themes that you may not realize, like the genocide thing or mm -hmm. the Holocaust thing, and you have no fucking idea. But when you watch it with, with like this this theory, you're kind of like, well, maybe, maybe, just right. maybe that that was what he was thinking. So it's a very cool thing to to kind of look further in, into a movie than just what like the the facade, right? right. Yeah. It's not just here it is, it is what it is. It's, Let's go a little bit deeper and, and dive into it. And that's it's really neat. Definitely thing about this one. well documented that. Prior to The Shining, Kubrick sent a team of people to uh, do research in Colorado at the Stanley Hotel. He himself did a ton of research. He went to advertising firms uh, and looked at, he read books about subliminal messaging and advertising. He went to advertising firms and people that create these ads and be like, it talks about this room 237. And so I do think that his intentions were, even though th this part's not well documented, to take The Shining the story, and use it to tell a whole different story parallel to what's going on in the movie. And that's why, I guess, the changes needed to be made to fit the way he wanted to tell it. And I think you can live in a world where both exist and both are really good for their own Absolutely. Reasons. And I find it hard to believe that Stephen King hated... Yeah. Uh, I think he just had some problems was, with it. But, well, yeah. he, he was very excited about Kubrick doing it. And mm -hmm. I find it very, very hard to believe that he hated Kubrick's version but liked... Cujo of Sleepwalkers, and to think that those hill better. Yeah. Obviously, from the paper to film, it's going to translate differently, no matter who does it. Right. And uh, when I was listening to that interview, he kind of explained the differences of what it was and identified the contrast. Like, uh, he's, where he says, like, yeah, in my film, uh, Jack Burns. In Stanley's film, he froze. Right. And, right. Yeah, and, and he acknowledges all those, and, but he doesn't ever really trash talk it. So, I mean, obviously, if he was here to kind of give us the olive branch. And one thing, right, one thing I do want to mention, uh, you know, because we're not going to go into a whole lot of trivia. There's actually a lot of trivia behind this movie. Uh, so, you know, we, every time we do a podcast, we assume that you've watched the movie first before you're listening to us talk about it, you know. Uh, but a couple things to know is, like, the Stanley Hotel, that's where Stephen King went and he stayed in room 217, and he got inspired to write The Shining. So the Stanley Hotel, a lot of people assume that that's where it was filmed. It was not filmed at the Stanley Hotel. It right. was filmed at a hotel in Oregon uh, in room 237. They changed the, the number of the room because the hotel management at the time was afraid that if they filmed it in 217, uh, like, like it is in the novel, that customers... Uh, wouldn't want to actually stay in that room. They would avoid it. So that's sure. kind of a cool little trivia thing there, but they shot it at a totally different hotel. A lot of the interior of the hotel was uh, done in England. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, it was a set in England. So, 
Yeah, a lot of people will travel to the Stanley in Colorado because they assume that's where the movie The Shining was. That's just where the filmed. inspiration from the book came right. from. Right, Stephen King did stay there in Room Two Seventeen, and, and that was that. And I want to say the outdoor kind of Passat is actually in Montana. Montana, Montana, Montana. I, I could be wrong on that. Joe Montana. Joe Montana. You know, it's funny here. It's like uh, one thing that we and I, I was trying to pull this up a second ago, not to deviate too far from it, but I think it's a huge talking point. The fact that it was. A Stephen King novel, who Stephen King, hello, I mean, it's like fucking, that's a big deal. Mm-hmm. It's not like it's some ghostwriter and, the, you know, Hubert found some obscure novel. And, I mean, we're talking Stephen King here. And we're talking Stanley Kubrick, so you got two huge names. Um, I think that it's funny to read this, but it says that, that King, one of his big dislikes was because it, it really steered away from so much of the supernatural, right, that the book portrayed. Yeah. And he felt like some of the acting really wasn't how he wrote those characters. Like, his oh, criticism no. of Shelley Duvall was like, only thing she does is run around and scream and act stupid. That's not the woman I wrote about. No, it was a strong woman. She was blonde-headed. Right. Yeah. She, uh... She More was, of a trophy wife. Yeah. yeah. She was uh, attractive. She was, uh... She was real stern with John. Mm-hmm. Like, would tell him, you know, things. And, and right. this one, she's very weak. Not not the best-looking in the world. She's just... Yeah, she's... You know, it's it, there's a lot of deviations there. But the one thing that stood out to me was the thing about... And not feeling like the hotel supernatural... I get a lot of sense of like there's some supernatural stuff going on in in Kubrick's adaptation of The Shining, but again, not having read the novel, hearing what you've said, you can sort of see maybe that wasn't played up enough to right. King's liking. But it's like I don't see much of him ever coming right out and saying that like this is an atrocity. I think he's probably like, you know, again, you invest something and you write something that's your baby. You want it to go the way you yeah, want it to go. Sure. You envision it. Well, it's like, well, I mean, Stephen King was never a director. Mm-hmm. I don't think did he ever direct a movie. No, but he had a lot to do with the miniseries. Okay. Mm-hmm. Kind so of like a, a that was kind of his, um, I guess, answer to Stanley Kubrick's... I, I, I think more or less maybe it was to kind of give some sort of prequel to yeah. Dr. Sleep. Yeah. Well, that's cool, man, but... You know, just to kind of get away from the, the trivia behind it or the novelization versus the, the cinematic experience, uh-huh. uh, all that, you know, um, I think that uh, th- this movie is scary. You know, a lot of people may, in 1980 didn't think it was scary like some of the movies they'd, they'd seen prior. Because you got to realize, man, Halloween had come out, Texas Chainsaw, Exorcist, things like right. that. So this kind of deviated from the what was known as horror at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but the only thing that kind of feels like it's, you know, a horror movie is not really there towards the end, you know, when it's like... Yeah. The scene where they'd being chased down with an axe and, uh, you know, the blood coming out of the elevator, which... Uh, oh, I love the, the tidal wave of blood coming yeah, out. Yeah. Or just, like, the, the super flash, cut you know, cut scenes to, like, the twin girls murdered in the hallway. Yeah. And shit like that. That shit's scary. And, and the fact that it's a little boy riding his old tricycle through mm-hmm. the fucking hallways with the badass carpet. Yeah. And he sees these things and, and it's scary to him. The funny thing is, you know, you watch it in 1980 and you think that this is a little boy talking to his finger, his little imaginary friend Tony. It's not until you watch Dr. Sleep later that you find out Tony's a real, it's a dead spirit that is speaking to Danny and trying to guide you him. You want to know something funny about that? What's up? Finger thing is mm-hmm. like, uh, the boy, the young kid that played, uh, what's his name? I think his name Danny in real life. Yeah, his name is Danny uh, in real life. He came up with that on his own. That was something he was doing during a rehearsal, making his finger talk. It wasn't like a direction that Kubrick gave him. And that that always has been, you know, something about this little thing is just yeah. so 
was weird, you know, kind of creepy. But that was not. That was just that little kid kind of rolling with well, it. Well, that little kid did a hell of a job. Yeah. That voice that he does as Tony is fucking creepy. Yeah. When he's yeah. Red Rob. And there's all <laughs> sorts. There's all sorts of theories, and I think that, again, going back to what you said a second ago, Mr. Evil Eddie, uh, is that watching. Doctor Sleep gives you new insight to The Shining, a whole new life and perspective, way, perspective yeah. completely. And one of those themes that uh, I think if you go back and watch is you, you kind of can watch it with the mindset that Danny is sort of obviously he's he can shine, he has this incredible insight. But I think that the whole movie is his sort of slow build to destroy his father in a way. Kind of. You can tell, like, with you that, can, that scene when he's sitting on Jack's knee, and he's like, you'd never hurt me and Mom, would you? And, and Jack's like, you, did your mom say that? No, she didn't say it. It was kind of like Danny knew that his dad, there was something wrong with him. And again, you know, you just well, said something that I think that listeners right now maybe should know. If you haven't watched Doctor Sleep, uh, Lynn just said Danny shines. Shining, that's what it is. Mm-hmm. It's like a... It's like a, a a sixth sense type of thing where they can Absolutely. talk to the dead, they can do certain things. Um, and so you have to know that, that Jack does not shine. No. The Overlook Hotel, whatever, the, the, if, if the Overlook Hotel as itself is an entity or if it's spirits within the hotel the or supernatural. energy that it exudes, if it's... Right. I mean, it's even in the movie... Um, Ullman, at the very beginning when they're touring, it says, ah, oh, there's rumors it was built on an ancient burial ground and they had to fight off the Indians while they were building it. So it's like, you know, we think back to Poltergeist and what that fucking did to that exactly. family, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like there's a certainly, whatever energy evil spirit that this is within this hotel doesn't mix, it's like oil and water with Danny's sixth shine. Right, it's, the shining. Those but two do not go well hand in hand to hand together. But the, the the fact that the movie is called The Shining and that Jack is the main character, you might assume that he's like The Shining has to do with him. It really has to do with Danny. The Overlook Hotel is feeding off of Jack and his right. weakness. All right, so his weakness is that he's an alcoholic and he has anger issues and he doesn't care about his family as much as he does writing his novel and uh, and taking care of the hotel. So it's feeding off of Jack. And that's something to know. It's something to think about. And that's one way to look at it. Yeah, But there's also another way to look at it. Let's kind of get into, kind of skip everything and go kind of all the way ahead to where the movie ends, all the way to that photograph Mm. where you see him in 1921. And we were starting to talk about this earlier. We had to stop ourselves because this is something important. I think that we just mentioned that it was built on ancient Indian burial ground and that some of the bodies had to be exhumed and, you know, whatnot. Is it possible that the Indians made a curse on that burial ground where the hotel is built, and that's where evil, evil lives? And you know they talk about in two thirty seven the Native Americans and the evil of white men, and evil just has become a white man. And Jack, he's in that nineteen twenty one photo. Why is he in that? Because he's constantly just living a different body of life it's like a reincarnated exactly version yeah. of himself yes mm-hmm. and he's evil so th- he doesn't know it because he's a person that's tortured by the evil mm-hmm. with the alcoholism and whatever ever else he experiences every time he's reincarnated right and he's, he's a reincarnation of delbert Brady or yeah, or and that's or, something or not or, or not, not. Well, that's a yeah. that's a whole nother uh, uh entity because and we'll talk about grady in a moment but Jack is constantly just 
fighting this demon. You could just tell, like, when he's isolated, that's when the evil comes out. Because right. the evil doesn't come out when he's in the interview. It doesn't, it doesn't even happen right. when he walks in the hotel. You don't see the evil. You see the evil when Man, he's around his family. Listen, the thing is, though, dude, the, the scene when you finally, you first see the evil is like when uh, Wendy and Danny are playing out in the snow and Jack is standing there staring at them out the window right. and the, the light shining down on him. He's just staring with that dead stare. Yeah. That's like, oh shit, man. That That's my probably my favorite scene in the movie is that like scene. You, you start to see his unfold. Whatever's yeah. going on, whatever's eating away at them, whether it's the energy of the hotel or his own demons that, uh, that he's struggling with and this hotel's bringing out the worst in him. You know, but, but he's always been evil, possibly. A, yeah, because he I mean, is. Because the, 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 he talks about it. You know, yeah. it does talk about it in The Shining, where like there was some physical abuse that he he laid on to Danny. And, you know, prior to him being in this hotel, three so, years yeah, prior. It's not like they had the perfect life. It's not like he's not without his flaws. And it's just this perfect model of citizen, perfect dad come in here yeah. and has been broken down. In the presence of good, he blends in. Like in the course. presence of the people who own the hotel right. or operate Omen. And the, all those people, he, he's a good guy, seemingly. Sure, sure. But yeah. hiding in you, plain the sight. second that it's isolated, you see the evil just released, and, and that's it, why he's there. And like, I think that's that, why he's the always theme there. theme of isolation is, is very important when you talk about this film, because I, I think that you look at two different things here. You could say that, what's, what's more scary? The fact that Native Americans... You know, talk about it being a, a burial ground for Native Americans. We can assume it was a mass grave of genocide of people that once lived on this land. Or, what's more scary, that, that thousands of people are buried under this hotel, or the fact that one guy is murdering two people in his family. And there's an interesting, there's an interesting sort of like parallel again, where I think for us, we can't really comprehend the idea of thousands of people dead. But what really hits home is having your dad turn on you and kill you with an axe. Exactly. So that's far more scary. So I think that to capture the essence of evil, whether it's evil that the fact that an entire race of people were buried under a hotel, or if it's a person that's hiding in plain sight with his demons, that this hotel brings out the worst in us, like, they're paralleling each other at once. And I think this movie kind of portrays the idea of evil but it really just sort of breaks it down under the microscope to what's happening with this one individual. Because to me, yeah, that's far right. more scary and relatable than the idea of thousands of Indians. Here's here's what's crazy to me, though. We talk about like the first time you see him kind of be, becoming evil or beca- going mad mm-hmm. is like when he's staring at them. He's been working on his novel prior to that, though. And when Wendy finds his, his transcript or whatever, he's been writing the same sentence thousands of times the entire time. Mm-hmm. That that's that's the infinity of evil. Right. Like the, the that's what I was sort of starting to touch on right yeah. there. Yes, exactly. The, just like the carpet, it's an infinity of yes. these patterns. You know that's funny that you say that. But anyway, I'm going to touch on this later. Again, this is like a little bit uh, hard to even comprehend. Like the entire multiverse of Stephen King, mm-hmm. and I'm going to talk about it a little bit once we get into the Doctor Sleep talk. But one reoccurring theme that Stephen King has in all of his novels, you'll hear it. It's like fate is a wheel, mm-hmm. all right? Another thing you'll hear later is Ka is a wheel, K-A. Mm-hmm. This is like this, uh, this this thing that Stephen King has. But it's like this endless cycle of, of sure. like you said, the evil. It's just always going and going. Well, if you, um, yeah, it's like you look at the pattern of the car. It's right up there. If you look at the pattern, it's an infinite pattern that doesn't have a beginning or an end, really. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. And there's, there's whole fucking essays written on that fucking carpet. Yeah. People have dissected it. So much so that it's like, it's, it's almost, it's crazy to wrap your head around. And I guess what it boils down to is the fact that 
a movie that came out 40 years ago is still so complex and you still, I can promise you, you could watch it and still take pieces from it and be like, that's an interesting take on it. That And to me, that's what makes art a, a fucking, like, yeah. Words of Canada. I love that, that band because if you listen to their fucking music, it is a subliminal message and layers and layers of sounds that they've even said in interviews, that particular album, Geo Gotti, no one will ever hear every fucking little subliminal sound cue they buried in all their songs. And I fucking love that. Oh, and I cool. feel that this movie is very much so the same way. Whatever Kubrick's intentions were, don't really care. But the fact that you can have all these different perspectives, he may not have intended any of this to be. This may just be simply be like, okay, I'm kind of going to change fucking Stephen King's novel to make it this way, and here's how I'm going to do it. But the fact that we're dissecting it could be this, and that photo, I mean, that photo is the most, at the end, I've had conversations with people that are just barely horror film fans, they're like, the, the most crazy fucking scary thing about The Shining is at the end, that photo, what does that mean? He's 1921, why is he there? It's like, it, you rack your brain trying to figure it out. That's what makes this movie so fucking good. Yeah. Isn't it cool? Like, you remember the first time you watched this movie, was it a, it's a thinker, right? You, you think about, like, for the next day or two, or even a week, or however long, you're just like, man... Why was that? What, that what is going, yeah, like I feel this eerie. I have this weird, eerie feeling, and you know, like it's the first few times it's like, oh, Jack Nicholson's character's fucking scary, but then it leaves you with something else. There's just like residual, like you ever take a shower in soft water and you can't get all the soap off of you? Yeah. That's what this movie is. Mm -hmm. It's like I can't get it off of me. I mean, it's like that soft water and the soap's still louder. I can't get it out of my head. I mean, I'm sitting here. And I've watched Doctor Sleep and The Shining just recently, and like they are heavy in my brain, and it'll be that way for a while. It lingers with you. Yeah, absolutely lingers. Here, here's something that lingers with me. I have a question for both of you guys. Uh, so you talked about that we would come back to talking about Grady, Delbert Grady, or Charles Grady, same person. Uh, so it's like in the beginning of the movie, they explain about that he was the caretaker, he went mad. He killed his family uh, with an axe and chopped them up into little pieces, right? That's like, that's right. like a thing. That's a known thing. Well, later, uh, when Jack is going to the bar and he meets and he sees Lloyd at the bar and, and there's like a ball going on, <laughs> which is obviously not really going on because nobody's in the hotel. This You, you think it's a figment of Jack's imagination. It's not. No. It, there's spirits there. Jack doesn't know that. Um, you don't even know that as the viewer because you don't really know what the hell's going on. Uh, until you watch Doctor Sleep, you know, 30 fucking, 40 years later. Um, but, that. you know, but he he has some drinks spilled on him. Oh, brownies. Brownies. Around. Just in time. Oh, they're going to get so stoned, dude. <laughs> and um, he, he, Delbert Grady accidentally spills some drinks on Jack. They go to the men's restroom and he's trying to help him clean it up. And, and that's when Jack's like, hey, I know you. You're mm -hmm. you're 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 Grady. I, you're the the uh, previous caretaker. You you killed your family. Your two twin daughters, the ones that Danny's been been right. seeing, and you chopped them up into little pieces. And what's confusing to me? Here's the here's the question I have for you guys, and for you fucking listeners too. All right, uh, Delbert Grady originally says, I, "I don't know what you're talking about. I don't. I'm not familiar with what you're saying mm -hmm. here." And then all of a sudden, it kind of flips around. He goes. And he says to, to Jack, no, Jack, you've always been the caretaker. I've been here forever. You you have always been the caretaker. Mm -hmm. Then all of a sudden it sort of flips, and then Grady kind of admits to, yeah, yeah, I, I did what I had to do kind of thing right. with my with my family. And you're going to have to do what you have to do. Right. So it's like, hold on. Was Grady the caretaker? Did that really happen? Or has Jack always been the always caretaker, been caretaker. In, a, in, a, in a reoccurring wheel of fate and evil? 
and it's a reincarnation. Well, there's, who so, knows, there's man? so many. There's so many things that in this is again. I'm, I have to just separate anything that goes on in the Stephen King novel when, when I discuss this because I don't know and I don't know the intention of it. But if you're just talking about the Shining the film, Kubrick, then there are so many weird things. You know, when you watch this movie, that leads you to believe that once you're sort of in the grasp of whatever's going on in this Overlook Hotel, time and reality are very suspended. Like, there's certain things that, that happen that either never should have happened or maybe never did happen, but you're totally unaware. But there's little tales and little signs to lead you to believe and think like, I don't think that once they're in this hotel, the same sort of rules apply to what happens in everyday life, right? Um, just odd little, odd little things that the movie presents itself as being cues, some inconsistencies uh, in Kubrick's filming, which is very unlikely that they weren't intentional because he's a very intentional sort of director. He shoots things time and time again. The attention to detail, the way he frames his shots, I would argue that he's... One of, was one of the most prolific in framing a shot and knowing what exactly what was in there with every bit of intention. So whenever you see a chair in the background that's there and moves away, or the typewriter change colors, like it's been brought to our attention like in the documentary Room 237, or you know little things like that, you start to th make more sense of this reality or parallel universe that you step into. Once you're in The Shining, all bets are off. Jack, you, you're, you've always been the caretaker. Mm-hmm. You know, Grady, you know, I, you know, so it's like then it starts to make a little bit more sense because otherwise you're kind of like you said the first you you left watching this movie like what the fuck happened? <laughs> yeah, dude. I mean, it's, it's confusing, <laughs> but it's but it's a thinker and it's cool. Yeah. yeah. But oddly, it's kind of like you could kind of make sense. There, of course, it's obscure. Of course, it's kind of abstract. But I think you could kind of make sense of it. And when you're you were mentioning the story of Jack meeting him, saying, oh, you're the killer. He says, I don't mm -hmm. know what you're talking about. You've always been the caretaker. And then all of a sudden he comes, uh, kind of just submits. Yeah, oh, yeah, I did that. But it's weird because the the very last part of the film, you see the photograph, and it says 1921. Yeah, July 4th. It was the 4th of July ball, 1921. Look how happy he looks. Yeah. And look how, like, comfortable he looks. Mm -hmm. Very similar to how he enters the movie into that hotel. You yeah. see him just in the presence of other people. He's so familiar with evil mm -hmm. that he's just that he could just roll with the punches. Just, it's it's, right it's a cycle. It's, just, it's, yeah. And exactly. so now it's 1980. It's his time again mm -hmm. to kind of come. And that's the thing. The evil just in, exhibits another body or inhibits another body, rather. It just so happens that yeah. there's a bit of foreshadowing, again with Grady, that... You're talking to one Grady, and you're getting another. Well, and Grady does say at one point in time, he says, your son has a very great talent. Yeah. Ah, uh, he's talking about He's tipping him off. And so I think that this loop, this pattern, mm -hmm. we'll go back to Danny, is broken by the fact yeah. that if, if Jack's always a caretaker, if he's this... Uh, this ever-going sort of uh, centrifugal force of evil, this pattern has now been broken because... Because Danny shines. Because Danny's here. And it's one thing that Grady says that kind of sticks out to me. It's like, your son has an incredible talent. So I, he's kind of tipping him off. It's like, you're going to have to do something about that. You're going to have to kill him. And that's, Absolutely. And then, pretty much almost immediately after that is when he's coming yeah, for him with an axe. That's when he goes for him with an axe. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's... it's man... And, 
I mean, I know this was ad-libbed. You know, the here's Johnny thing was mm-hmm. ad-libbed. Yeah. However, is it possible that the the person in 1921 was Johnny? Could be. John? And mm-hmm. and now Jack is, uh, I, you know. You know, yeah, know yeah, yeah, you could, you could yeah, that was ad-libbed. Obviously ad-libbed, but. So, you know, it, here, here's what I think is, is the, it, the beauty, the beauty of it, man. Have you ever come across this where, and I, and I take this back to music, where you hear a song and you're like, oh my God, those fucking lyrics. And uh, then you really start to get it. You, you, you start to think about where the artist was that wrote those lyrics. And then sometime later you find that the artist was like, that's just a stream of conscious. Those lyrics mean absolutely nothing to me, but to you, maybe it helped you through a dark time or maybe it helped you like understand the world in a different way. But for the person who wrote it, it's like those lyrics mean absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of that going on here. I think that Stephen King wrote a book that could be interpreted a lot of different ways. I think Kubrick took that book and made his own interpretation of it. And I think, again, the beauty of it is, is like you could take that and have your own meaning that may be exactly what was intended or may have absolutely nothing at all. But that mystery that it's shrouded in, the fact that he was doing a lot of research into subliminal messaging and subliminal advertising and his own takes on it, I think that it, it really stands a testament of time because it's just like a song. It's like, oh, those lyrics mean so much to me. That artist must have been coming from a place. And they're like, I just fucking literally wrote things down on a piece of paper and drew them out of a hat. It means absolutely nothing. <laughs> yeah. I think it's what's fascinating because it very well could be this thing we'll never be able to decipher or it could be just the fact that we saw someone like a genius like Kubrick make a film. That's what he's really fucking good at, yeah. making movies. And we we are overanalyzing something yeah. that's not really there but that's that the was an intention mission accomplished mission yeah accomplished, exactly man i mean and, and i think the last thing that we should kind of just like briefly touch on really quick before we kind of you know wrap this one up and go to the next uh film is that you know again you don't really know what's going on in this movie and whether that was uh, kubrick's like intention or not mm-hmm. um you don't know that danny actually quote unquote shines that he has this ability you just see that he's seeing dead people right uh, or ghosts, but you also see where Jack sees the ghost. You see where Wendy sees the ghosts. Mm-hmm. You know the bear man and all this weird stuff that the Wendy's. Seeing. So you think that it's just the hotel is haunted and they're all seeing it, but really it's only Danny that's the one who's able to like communicate with them right. and do things like that. And uh, the one time in the movie that you kind of get an idea of that, and maybe as a viewer in the original, like when you saw it uh, back in the eighties or whatever, or even up until seeing Doctor Sleep, is when. Uh, Dick Holleran is uh, like at a total another place, and all of a sudden he like he's like it's he, almost like he reaches out. To him like, it's Danny reaching out to mm-hmm. him, and that's what uh, Grady is telling Jack in the ba- in the restroom is that your son has reached out to somebody, right? You know, and he doesn't call him somebody. No, he, he gets all racist yeah, with him. Yeah, he gets you know, very kinda, racist. It's yeah. kind of crazy. It may maybe another theme in the movie. Yes. You know, we're talking uh, about Holocaust. We're talking about yeah. and, you know racism. Okay, so. But he's basically like, he's reached out to this person, uh, but I, I'm sure as a viewer, you're like, what the fuck are they talking about? Why did, you know, Scatman Crothers, uh, who plays Dick Holleran, he's laying in bed, uh, all of a sudden, like, open his eyes big time, like, somebody's talking to me, or I, he just, like, realized something, it's like a revelation of sorts, mm-hmm. and, but it was really, it was Danny, like, you know, talking to him, right. because he can shine. Because he can and shine. so, and that's what The Shining is, that's what this all, whole thing is about, and I guess so many people probably did not realize that. Did and and a side that. note, uh, how awesome were those posters in, uh, in uh, Dick Holleran's... <laughs> Reminds me of your Gwyneth Paltrow <laughs> I know, painting. dude. I'm like, I'm like, damn, look at them titties, you know, I like them titties. Yeah, yeah. those are, those are top notch. The one that's above his TV, dude, that's like the biggest afro I've ever seen. I think it's fucking dope, dope dude. I wish I could get an afro. I mean, I could, but it's just a lot, a lot more work.
artwork in that one. Yeah, but man. I mean, they're just they're it's, super cool. I mean, I, that's from top to bottom. And, and for, for those of you guys, I know we're trying to kind of, kind of wrap this up because, honestly, we could probably dissect and talk about The Shining, not only just thematically, but trivia, the acting, cinematography, the music. We could go on and on forever. Do yourself a favor. If you haven't seen Room 237... Watch that, uh, at least just to kind of get some insight of some people that have obsessed about this movie. I mean, for me, it's, like I said, probably one of my favorite films of all time, but I'm not even near as obsessed with it as some of these people are that have watched it, like, literally frame by frame and, like, you know, going through. I mean, it, one of them even said, like, uh, I didn't, I hadn't really seen The Shining until I was able to get it on a DVD because then I could, like, go frame by frame and do that kind of shit. That's right. the kind of obsessive nature this film brings out, but it's just a testament to its genius. But well, it's it's so good. It's, it's an amazing, so, amazing fucking so film. Well. Yeah. Yeah. It's Kubrick, I think, and his A-game, I think, acting what I mean, it's just, it's the total package. Like I said, it's that thin layer of, like, you've got great movies in that, like, upper half percent, that upper echelon of, like, triple A uh, do we have any dislikes? Anything about the movie that I I have one. Uh, do you have one, Hooligan? Say yours first, because I I didn't really think about this. I don't have. I don't know. I don't know. Tell me what yours is. Maybe I agree with it. I don't know. I and I'm not gonna say hate it, but when the days of the week flash up. Oh, that Thursday. Is, yeah, yeah, Thursday. I'm yeah. like that, that nah, has no. Doesn't really have any relevance, does it? That yeah. has no perception of time with me. In this, because it's it doesn't say like one month later. It just says days of the week, and that yeah. always. And do we know they, is it within the same week? Right. I, Normally, when they do that, it's yeah. like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. It's like and one this, week, and this shit's happening, and things are like descending fast. Yeah, you know, but like no, in a way, it's supposed to be there six it's, months. It's just maybe sort of disorient you in time, just to be like, okay, it's this day, and then this could be Thursday, but a month, uh, two weeks later, Thursday. Or, well, God damn it, dude! You know, I thought this movie was perfect until now. <laughs> Thanks a lot, man. Well, it, it's not uh, that. Oh no, I'm kidding. That's not a huge deal, but it it did like at first the first time I watched it, I was like, what does this have to do with anything? And now now I'm looking at it. I, I ignore that a hundred percent. Yeah. And if anything, it's like kind of a distraction. I'd be like, I don't give a fuck if it's Thursday. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I mean, I yeah, that that you bringing that up, it's like I could see where it's like doesn't really have any relevance. So it could be kind of like with a movie that is really there's no fat on it. There's nothing about it that's like stands out because even like you know really good movies it's like okay well that's you know that that didn't quite work I would say most of the I mean, just about everything in this movie that's supposed to work top to bottom is it's there it, it's there yeah I mean it's okay it's on my it's on my Mount Rushmore of films real quick before we wrap it up and re- rewind this tape to go take it back to Lloyd because he's pretty fucking adamant that we rewind it Lloyd um, yeah good little Lloyd he's a good guy um, favorite scene Favorite scene. I said earlier that my favorite scene is uh, when you first see Jack like staring at them out the window, all all crazy looking, staring at him. Uh, I think that's my favorite shot. But my favorite scene, really, I should, it's like the I, I told you guys earlier when Wendy comes in, and she's like, "Hey, hon, I'm gonna bring you a couple of sandwiches," <laughs> and he's like, "When you hear me fucking typing," and he starts motioning. <laughs> you get the fuck out of here or whatever he Golly. says I was like damn dude that is some harsh shit man so it I think that's really like is. the one of the scene that really sticks out to me it's like damn yeah. dude I can't believe you talked to her that way I know you know so there's yeah. so many you know this is a weird weird one for me but I, I just think that the opening scene where you're kind of hovering behind the car and it kind of comes in 
Oh, and that's so cool. It dude. just sets everything up with that just ominous. Uh, what is it? Dear Dies Enri. Uh, it's an old piece of music from forever ago that was used there, and they just sort of use synthesizers to recreate it. But I mean, you have you just it sets the mood perfectly, and you you get a sense that you're kind of about to take a peek into something that's it's not pretty. It's disturbing. Like yeah, you, there's nothing about uplifting it, it sets the tone for right from the back and i know it's the first scene of the movie but there's something about that hovering just above the surface and then going into the car like uh i love it it's greatest yeah i do love the intro scene man it's great yeah i i would say i, I don't have a favorite scene at all there, this is a stalemate for me however i will say what i kind of go to the most like kind of my i guess if you were to dive into my brain and kind of see what i Whenever you mention The Shining, the first thing that comes to mind would be the big wheel, uh, first-person point of views. That's amazing. I, I, I love those, and that's just, that's always how I've, always, which is a big word in this film. Yeah. That's always how I've seen this film, is just that big wheel point of view, just seeing it from that point of view. Yeah. And that's always, I, I love, any time a movie can bring atmosphere into, into a movie so well, which Stephen King does that. But we mentioned in Halloween, you, you just kind of know the town, you kind of know the hotel, you kind of know mm -hmm. uh, Salem's Lot, you kind of know Since the town, and, and I love that about the movie. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to go with that. Very yeah, so and, many that, and that's a crucial scene because it's it's not until he starts exploring, because there's a couple of takes of him going around the hotel, and it, I think it's the third time around is when he gets to 237, and it's after that, the movie, that evil's unlocked, right? Mm -hmm. So it's yeah. like he's... It's almost like his his intuition is telling him to get a scope of this hotel. He knows there's something there. He asks the, um, uh, oh, what's his name, uh, Holleran about room 237. Holleran's like, hey, nothing in there. So his intuition's there, but it's not until he explores it and, and then, like, unlocks his, I don't know. It's like, that's a very important part of the movie and very fitting that it would stand out to you because it's sort of like, it's... It's critical to the how the rest of the story plays out. Mm -hmm. can, can I ask a question? Yeah. Do you guys know any of the relevance of 237? On uh, Room 237, the documentary, uh, the number 42 shows up. Uh, I think Danny's wearing a jersey that says 42. There's a lot of reference to 42 in the movie. And if you multiply a 2 times 3 times 7, it equals 42. And essentially, uh, you know, if you go with the whole Holocaust sort of theme... Um, 1942, I can't remember the exact significance of that year specifically, but, uh, oh, was it the, was it, I mean, the, I mean, the year World War II started? Shit, I wish I knew that, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, well, it, there's, there's, some, to, there's some significance like to, to 1942, yeah. and the number 42, and the reason that he changed it to 237 was because if you, you know, it's all these, you know, theories, but I don't know exactly why 237 outside of, you know, they changed it because they didn't want people to not stay in that room and, yeah. and this and another. In the movie, in terms of plot, they never really give a clear cut, even in the sequel. And maybe they do in the book, maybe they do in the miniseries, I don't mm -hmm. know. But 237 is never, like, really clarified. But, uh, you know, I guess people could reach out to us and kind of tell us that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, guys... All in all, this has been an extremely fun talk. I'm glad it really that we decided is. to do and, this. And, you know, different too. You know, different. You, you know the different energy and vibe when talking about something like The Shining mm -hmm. versus like a slasher, right? Because slasher, <laughs> you've got some 
shit you can laugh at, but this, it's like, man, ain't nothing to really joke about here. This yeah. is fucking serious we shit. Were, we were laughing a bunch during the Leprechaun episode. Oh, yeah. yeah. This yeah. is a little different, but no, I'm super, super glad that we decided to do this, because this is a, an amazing movie. I know we've all loved it prior to, to even thinking about doing it, but the, the Doctor Sleep thing is really what brought it together. And yeah, sure So did. we're going to have a lot, of, a lot of fun talking about that one, too, but... Um, Let's rewind this tape and bring it back to Lloyd. Give a little. Uh, Lloyd creeps me out. He just appears. He does yeah. just appear. I don't know. <laughs> he does pour a hell of a drink though. Yeah. Definitely. Three finger pour. Yeah. Speak of uh, drink, uh, I'm gonna make my way to that that bar. Oh, okay. all right, on. We'll That's meet you cool, there. Cool. Actually, that about does it for this portion of the episode. We'll come back in a part two to finish up with Doctor Sleep. But in the meantime, you got something to say to us? Reach out to us. Sixty-six point six Sahara at gmail.com. Reach out to us with your. Thoughts, feelings, complaints, emotions, jokes. We'll hear it all. We'd love to hear from you, and while you're at it, follow us on all social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We'll talk to you in a bit. Until then, stay scary. Get six. Get six. Get six to six. out of your fucking mind.